Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Courageous Conversations, transforming relationships one conversation at a time. And now, here's your host, dating coach and chief love officer at LastFirstDate.com, Sandy Weiner. Well, hello and welcome. I am Sandy. I'm a dating coach and the founder of Last First Date. What I do best is help midlife daters find love again, no matter how old you are or what your relationship history is like. I created this show to inspire you to live a more courageous life and to improve your relationships one conversation at a time. Today I'm excited to bring you my good friend, Jane Pollock. Jane is a living example of how to turn a passion into a thriving business. She is a successful entrepreneur, a public speaker, an author, and a business coach. Jane launched her business career in the very unlikely field of egg decoration. The lessons Jane learned along the way led her to share her story and give advice to women entrepreneurs traveling the country and beyond. In 2010, she re-released her book, Soul Proprietor, Proprietor, 101 Lessons from a Lifestyle Entrepreneur, with updated lessons including how to pursue your dream during an economic downturn and how to use new technology to authentically promote your business. In addition, Jane found love in midlife after her divorce, and that is an inspiring story. story. I'm sorry, I'm a little... Getting over a cold, and I'm falling over my words today. Um, Welcome, Jane. Thank you. I'm getting over a cold, too. (laughs) I know. We're going to be coughing our lungs out here today, but but I'm so glad you're able to join me. Me, too. And I hope you're feeling a little better. I do. Um, Good, good. So, um, So let's talk about what does nipping relationships in the bud mean to you? Well, I was thinking of my dating history, and and I've been very fortunate to be in a relationship with a wonderful man for a year now, so I have to think back a little bit to the online dating that I went through a couple of years ago, and there was a guy named Dick, which was kind of cute, Dick and Jane, and um, we, we got to date three, and I just, you know, I wasn't feeling it, and I knew that I wasn't in for the long run, and he was a good salesman, and he kind of sort of worked around stuff and actually you and I had walked and the more he had left me a message and I knew I needed to get back to him and you and I had gone for a walk and it's like I don't feel it you know it's not it really isn't happening and you mm-hmm. gave me great words to to use and I called him and I said um you know my gut's telling me this just isn't working and he expressed surprise and disappointment but he accepted it it was it was incontrovertible you know I was not that was you can't argue with my gut so mm-hmm. I nipped it in the bud because it was we had gotten to uh I was going to say like second base before <laughs> I even had really wanted to get up to the plate and our first date was coffee and then it was dinner and a movie and in the movie he started you know putting his hands on my knees it's like wait a second we didn't negotiate any of this and I don't mm-hmm. you know I'm just uncomfortable with the whole thing and I didn't I didn't like him enough and you know I just was it was wrong and I knew that and I didn't. It, it could easily have just gone on because he was taking the lead in the way he knew how to take the lead, and that didn't work for me. Nor did I want it to, which was the bigger the bigger clue. Mm-hmm. Well, I love I love what you said about 
um, what didn't work for you. I think I think it's so important for women to hear those words because mm. it, it's it's a simple thing to say, but you know it's so important to tune into that voice inside your head that's saying this isn't working for me or the timing is wrong or you know this person really isn't for me because. I'll tell you that and I've been guilty of this. It's so easy to fall into a relationship with someone who's really into you because of your self-esteem issues or whatever. You're thinking, well, this might be as good as it gets, so let me take what I have here. I, I so like I, you use the, the phrase fall into. <laughs> like, you know, to, yeah. you don't walk in open-eyed. It's like you fall into it. And the thing is, I'll say it's actually very easy for me to know, but to take the risk of saying, um, you know, what I what I I made some notes and I said one moment of fear and pain eliminated weeks of, or months of dread and disappointment, because I knew that if I didn't say something, we would be on this path, this journey that I didn't want to be on. And you know, I would have been to, well, like, why didn't you say something? It's like you know, something I got to say it right now up front. It's not working. Not gonna, and it's not going to work. Yeah, and I think it takes courage, and you're right, it does save so much time in the long run or so much pain in the long run, and I think people don't see that equation, so that was well put. Thank you. Um, yeah. So are, were there other relationships that you nipped in the bud? Well, I, uh, uh, Dave is the uh, man that I am with now, and, and I said to him, you're the first person to get past two dates. You know, I knew, I knew that, uh, you know, by the second date, I would know. And, uh, you know, I would say all in all, I probably communicated with 100. And I think that's a good figure. Like to have one in 100 work out, that's, you know, that's probably what the odds are. I'm going to be 65. So I was, you know, 62, 63 when I started this process. And the odds, you know, start to skew poorly in that direction. I think when you're in your 20s, you know, women have you know, tons and tons of response. But I think once you get to your 60s, it's not quite as robust. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I was doing the footwork and you know, sending out emails to people online saying, your profile looks interesting. I, you know, I love NPR also, you know, whatever whatever I felt like responding. So I'd say there were probably around 100, and I would say probably um, half of them didn't even respond to me, if not more mm-hmm. than that. And then maybe there were, um, you know, 20 or 30 phone conversations that we would get to that level. Though there was one guy who I was in communication with for a couple of months, if not more, and never actually got to the phone level. So um, that one I didn't nip, but we never we never got to a date. And then there were about, I'd say, 12 dates, you know, coffee dates and maybe six or seven lunch or dinner dates, and then Dave was the only one who went beyond that. <laughs> so <laughs> so well, there were a lot. I think, you know, there were a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. And I think it's important also that you put out there that it does change as you get older. I think people, I've often heard experts who say, oh, no, it's pretty much the same thing, you know, you date in midlife as, as dating when you're younger. But I think a lot of things change. I, I, I do think that the numbers change. Um, like you said, and I think it's important to to take a reality check that out of a hundred people, you know, you narrowed it down to one, and and you didn't get disheartened to the point where you quit. Um, you know, it can be disheartening. I didn't quit. <laughs> I yeah, no, it can be disheartening. It's disheartening. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a vibrant, sexy, <clears throat> wonderful woman, and you know, nobody's paying <laughs> attention to me. It's like, what's wrong with yeah. this? So, yeah. um, and and I'll say what does 
stay the same, I think, are your feelings. You know, that there, it's like, it, it's painful, it's exhilarating. I felt like a 12, I remember calling you once and saying, I feel like I'm 12 years old. The feelings <laughs> are very much the same, but the mental attitude, fortunately, and the maturity level has changed. And so I knew it, I, uh, I knew for sure it was not about me, that they're not returning my calls, they're not paying attention, was not in any way personal. And I never took it personally. Although it can mm. feel that way, I chose mm-hmm. not to allow that. That's a really good piece of advice, too. And I think that too many people take it personally. First of all, we don't even know these people. They don't know you. I mean, right, right. most of it is just you're, you're shooting in the dark, you're sending out emails to total strangers, you know, you don't even know if they're active members, you know, let alone married or, you know, there's mm-hmm. so many things you don't know until you know. So, That's right. um But, but you know, what I keep, I get this image of you um, when you were dating online as, you know, sort of <laughs> sitting on this throne of like, I'm choosing <laughs> here. <laughs> I... <laughs> I will decide who I let into my palace. Um, oh, that's so funny. You know, that was not my image. <laughs> it was no. Like a fishing rod. <laughs> a fishing rod. Let's see who bites and, you know, do I want to reel them in or, you know, am I going to throw this one back or what? Yeah. But, but you, like were, you were in control. You were in control of that's true. your emotions and your and your, who you selected, who you were letting in, you know, and who you were throwing back. So that's I like true. that image of the fisher, the fisherman, yeah. fisherwoman. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have to write a blog post about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and it's, it's so some of the languaging that you used, I think, is good for people to hear. Um, so, what what can you give us an example of you know some other ways that you might have told people that it wasn't working? You know, I think I think that my it's interesting. I think my younger daughter is a lot like me and you can just tell that when she is not interested in pursuing something, you know, and I can tease her about it, but the messages they're like clear invisible boundaries and there were about uh three or four guys who I had meals with who were perfectly fine, but I didn't give them one signal that I wanted to continue. <laughs> you know, that I was right. just being polite, I was cordial and, you know, friendly and engaged, but there was no come hither, you know, this is going someplace. And so there was one guy I was surprised not to hear from, but, you know, I think he knew inevitably we were not a match. Um, Then there was another one I was surprised not to hear. He was an attorney. We had had lunch, and he said he had a really, really good time, and then I never heard from him. I was like, well, that's interesting, and I didn't do anything to pursue it. There was one man where I felt disappointed that he didn't pursue me. We had a wonderful dinner. It was really fun. Very nice kiss. And and I didn't hear from him, although he said, I'll call you. And mm-hmm. I uh, emailed him and said, um, you know, just following up to say thanks so much. Had a really good time. And I, I, I think he said, I'll call you. And I just wanted to double check because it's been a couple of weeks. So it was just, you know, me kind of closing the loop. And mm-hmm. he wrote a very nice email saying, you know, I was really, really good company and there was somebody he was pursuing and he wanted it to be exclusive. Now, what I've come to understand is that that's a, you know, a very nice way of blowing somebody off, but it was still, it, it felt, you know, it felt considerate and it closed the loop. So in every other case, I was pretty clear this wasn't something I was interested in. And the one time where I was, you know, I got clarity because I wanted to know. I didn't want to be left hanging there wondering, well, is he going to call? You know, is he waiting Mm -hmm. uh, three weeks, a month, or whatever? But I think my body language, my way of being was, 
you know, just this was very nice, but there's nothing happening after this. So I think there's that, you know, there's that, that unconscious nipping in the bud or subconscious nipping in the bud that was a um, subliminal level message without being as clear as my gut's telling me this isn't going to work. You know, I just wasn't right. giving them anything to hold on to. Yeah, I, I, and I think that it's important to bring the body language piece into it because I think we give off messages. And sometimes the opposite happens. If you are interested in someone and don't give them the message that you're interested, they leave confused. So yeah. it works in both directions. But um, And a lot of men don't get it. They, you, know, you can be so what you think is blatantly clear about your body language and they still don't get that you're not interested. So, um, you know, I think it's interesting that you were able to go back and close the loop because most women don't do that, in my experience, and... Um, they kind of wait for the man to contact them. And, you know, you and I are both, you know, business women, and we like to do business that way. We're not passive people. And I think it, it becomes this kind of balancing act of, you know, do I not bring my aggressive pass, you know, self to dating? You want to show up as a woman, and you want to be receptive to love, and it's it's kind of that balancing act. Um, I, I'm I'm sort of in the middle of all that right now, um, wanting a man to pursue me um, and not show up as aggressive because um, I do think that can be off-putting. Um, so do you feel that you brought aggression to the dating process or do you feel that you brought like more I, of your sexy Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I think um, I'm, I'm thinking of one guy uh, we met at a diner, which was not a good idea. You know, there was a much nicer place and I think I was – looking at where he was coming from geographically, and so I mm-hmm. recommended it, but it was like the wrong atmosphere for it. It was just, you know, too casual and not upscale enough. And we just, you know, it was, we kept trying different topics. He was attractive enough, but I, I almost knew right away, eh, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not feeling anything. And, you know, I could feel it winding down, and I said um, something like, this didn't really work, did it? And he he said no. I mean, it was clear that nothing was going to happen. And I said, let me just ask. I just like to get some feedback. What you know? What do you think it was? He said, we're just not we're just not connecting. And I was like, you know, thank you for saying that because I actually felt more connected in that moment when he said that that mm-hmm. he was attuned to where connection was. It was like you know, he would talk about cars and I would talk about art, and it was just like there was uh-huh. nothing where we were both had something to say on the same subject. And when yeah. he said that about not connecting, it's like, ding, ding, ding. You know, that was that would have been worthy mm-hmm. of talking about. But um, it was just, it was interesting. And it, it's and there was one man I talked to, who on you know on his profile looked like he could be very attractive. I think he was a physician or something. But all he wanted to talk about was a political issue that was in the news, and I was so not interested in that. And I just heard him kind of ranting, and you know, as he was giving me volumes of information, and I, you know, and and there had not been any connection established, so you know, there was no permission to do that. So would and you say to someone like that, you know, um, can can we talk about something else? This is in an area of of deep interest for me. Well, interestingly, mm-hmm. because I I didn't like his viewpoint, I didn't even give him that much rope. <laughs> you know, I was like. Mm-hmm. I can see this is not somebody that I would be interested in. It I mean I, I know it's not fair to make a snap judgment, but um you know want you want to have something where you feel there's 
you know, a remote uh, sense of interest, and I wasn't getting any of that from him. So I think sometimes it's just better to, you know, nip it even before the bud starts, you know, just say, I don't think so, you know, I got to go. And, you know, you know, could be a mistake. It very well could be a mistake. But, um, you know, with Dave, there was an immediate connection. He wanted to connect. He sought ways to connect. I mean, it was just so rich and deep very quickly. And so when 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 somebody gets it right, you know, it's like, ah, this is what I've been waiting for. Rather than trying to make something else work, there's a total flow. Yeah, and otherwise you're just trying to put a square peg in a round hole kind of thing. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, I have definitely felt that too. So so tell us a little more about Dave if you can, Aww. just in terms of... Uh, <laughs> How long I think we got, people, <laughs> <laughs> I think this is, people... This is such a wonderful man. So our first... You know, one of the things I like about him was that he said um, that he responded to everybody who emailed him. And, you know, mm. what I got in the demographics is that men are in the driver's seat, you know, that he would get he would get six or eight emails either a day or a week. Now, mm. if I got six a month, that was really a lot. So, right. you know, I was really envious in the fact that he was, you know, kind enough to respond to everybody. And I, you know, and I reached out and called him. He gave me his number, and I think that's the protocol is that you call. And um, I, I have to say, I almost hung up because I didn't like his voicemail. But I thought, I'll, you know, I will, I will give him a little bit more, <laughs> uh, you know, more than that, a, a bigger shot than that. And he called me back and was so gracious. And um, and our initial conversation was warm and really kind and you know he was connecting all over the place i just felt a sense of being seen and heard in the conversation and then he scheduled Mm -hmm. another one and he you know he asked to meet and he was going to come down to my area which was a good hour and 20 minutes away from him so there were so many demonstrations of his kindness and willingness to meet me more than halfway which was wonderful because I was thinking, you know, well, I'll I'll get on the road, I'll come to wherever you are. I thought you had to do that. And here was a, a real gentleman showing up very early. And then as soon as we exchanged last names and a little more information, he read everything that I had written on my website. He ordered the book I had written and read it. Mm-hmm. You know, by I think by the time we met practically. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. he was showing great interest in me. And that was a little scary and unnerving, but I also have developed in my life to the point where I could receive someone's affection very quickly and deeply. So that was, you know, those were huge things for me. So he's, um, uh, I think you and I have talked about, you know, casting a wider net. He lived further away. His demographic was that you had to be within 30 miles, and we both overlooked that. He was um, almost 70 miles away. Um, uh I don't think the education mattered. I think his income was below what I would have normally chosen, but it's like, well, that's, you know, let, let me meet him. And in every other way, he has more, it's like it's not an issue. It's just not an issue. And um, his lifestyle is so rich, and what he does and who he knows and how he lives his life is so um bountiful and abundant that um you know that one one issue is not you know really is moot. Mhm. And he's cute and he's sexy he's and he's cute. you know thoughtful and he's very cute and <laughs> multi-talented, multi-dimensional, um interested in you know he's a real citizen. I I call him a renaissance man. He's really mm-hmm. he does 
so many interesting things. He reads voluminously. He's informed about everything without being opinionated. He volu- does literacy volunteers. He, you know, drives the volunteer ambulance. Uh, you know, so he's very involved in the community. Um, he's, uh, you know, on the uh, political town committee. Um, he, he, you know, the first night he couldn't call me back because he was flipping pancakes at the something, you know, dinner, Shrove Tuesday dinner or something. So he's somebody who's really involved in a lot of people's lives and highly regarded and, and uh, just a lot of fun. And he has a nice sense of humor, which is really important, too. Yeah. So so there's so much here I want to just address. Um, first of all, widening the net. Um I I have so many women who come to me and want only somebody with a, you know, masters and up, you know, masters degree and higher level of education and or they want somebody who has a high income because it they equate high income with self-esteem. Um it's it's really about looking what's underneath your desire to have those things. So, you know, if he had a lower education level than you, but he reads voluminously and he really is smart, that's what's going to matter in the end because you could have a doctorate and be the most boring person, and I've certainly met exactly. many of those. Yeah. He he brings so much to the table. You know, he's always enlightening me about things. I have such a good time because he's he surprises me. You know, there are things I, – I think I have a pretty wide world view, and he has expanded it exponentially. You know, mm. I'm I'm learning about things and trying things I never would. He's he's home making maple syrup now. He taps his own trees. You know, I wow. mean, really, really. He <laughs> crocheted me an afghan for my birthday. He just yeah. you know, he does he he does a lot of things and he's so thoughtful. He was in a he sung in a musical theater over the summer, and he was in Sound of Music and he made a hat for every kid in the Von Trapp family. <laughs> he crocheted mm-hmm. hats for them. You know, That's just great. you know, giving and caring and you know, wonderful. Yeah, and those are what those are what matters, you know. When somebody gets stuck on a height requirement and says, you know, but I like right. to wear heels, and I go, yeah, but when you're horizontal and the lights are out, what's going to happen? It's really true. Or as my mother so said, think, you know, my my sister was going out with somebody, and she said he's short but very rich. My mother said, how much? How tall is he when he stands on his money? <laughs> so there uh, are yeah, other I had considerations. A Right, my friend used to say to me, uh, "If you can find him, and he's a great guy, just make sure he's rich too, and make sure I I get this the last say on him because you're not so good at picking." That was right <laughs> after my divorce, but um, I'm much better at picking right now. Um, and so you you have a great guy, and I've met Dave, and I've I've seen you two together, and there's so much love and affection there, and it's um, something that I think is missing in most people's relationships is the whole admiration piece. You know, really. Um, having something that you admire in each other. And I remember something you said to me right away, which I loved, which was that um, he said he got the best version of you. Mm. And, um, you know, it's you both are fully grown people who are fully formed. I mean, still growing, but I'm saying formed and have your own life and you're happy with your life. And that's a really important piece that people need to remember. And it works really nicely because now that I've moved to New York City, he lives two hours away. And we both are, you know, we're interdependent rather than codependent. So we have a wonderful time on the weekends, but there's not this, 
when am I going to see you? Or I haven't right. seen, you know, we both have such full lives that it's a joy when we come together. We both leave our work aside and focus on each other, and it's really a lot of fun. And during the week, I don't worry, you know, oh, I'm not paying enough attention to him, nor is he worrying about me. We we know how to take care of ourselves in that way, and that's that's mm. very rewarding. That's great. Um, so I have another question for you. <clears throat> um, do you apply do apply the <laughs> All right, let me try that again. Do you apply the nipping in the bud method in other areas of your life? Because I know you're a very successful businesswoman and I'm imagining there might be other areas that you might apply. I thought that of a to. couple of examples where you know, I and I think there was another question about um, how can you tell when it's yeah. nipping in the butt is called for. Uh-huh. The, you know, the answer to that is that my gut is so clear. You know, I know myself so well at this point. And I heard a wonderful phrase uh, in my coach training, which is that the body is the midwife to the mind. So before my head can even process it, I'm having a physical reaction to information. And sometimes it's thrill and sometimes it's repellent. You know, it's just, I can't stand this. So I know right away. I mean, sometimes, you know, things are unclear, but the yes or no are very clear. And I um, met with a woman recently who, um, you know, very bright woman, really fun. She's written a great book. And uh, we had, we got together for a couple of hours, and she said, um, you know, I'd like to collaborate with you. I think, you know, our paths have been very different, and I think we could do something really interesting. And she named a place. And I thought, no, no. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't say, you know, I processed it for a moment because I didn't want to just reject it out of hand. I just, I knew there was no juice there. There was nothing, mm-hmm. and it's not a rejection of her. I don't feel like generating that kind of energy for something that I'm not positive about. It's like mm-hmm. I, it's not that I want to slam dunk. I just know, not now, you know, this is, it's not the right time. So I'm crystal clear about that, which is very valuable in business because you can go down a lot of, you know, dark alleys with somebody and have nothing come out of it. Um I, I collaborated with um, somebody who you're speaking to, who's a, a coach for men in relationships, Brad Britton. And when we uh-huh. met through our coaching leadership program, you know, at the end of the program, he said to me, I'd like to work with you. And it was like, absolutely. And we did uh-huh. a program together for a couple of years where he came out to uh, Connecticut. I went out to California. We worked beautifully together. And we saw each other recently. He said, I'd like to work together again. I, th- I thought, you know, not not now. It's not It's not the right time. So I am really clear, not that the relationship is nipped, but that opportunity in the relationship is nipped. So there's a, a distinction there. But the other thing, the opposite um, I met a woman recently when I moved to New York who said she was doing this life-changing, um, she was taking advantage of a life-changing opportunity. And, I, and as I got to know her, I said, tell me about this opportunity. And she said it's called Semester at Sea and it'll be four months you know, going around the world. The second I heard that, I was like, I need to know more about this. And as soon mm-hmm. as I went online, it's like, I want this. So part of, I think part of nipping it in the bud is knowing yourself so well that when an opportunity or a challenge comes up, you can identify it immediately. And I, the thing I've developed, and I, I do meditation and I do, you know, all kinds of things, journaling and all those things that help me get clearer in my mind. And it's a great tool to use for every aspect of my life. Even ordering in a restaurant, it's like that, not that. I just, I have enormous mm-hmm. clarity. And it's I think people are attracted to it because not that many people really have it. 
and they say, now here's somebody who knows what she wants. And that's an attractive thing to offer. I agree. I think that it's wonderful that you have that clarity. I think that people often have it, they don't trust it. And yeah, they don't yeah. they don't put like a uh, a magnifying lens on it like you do. Um, I know that I had intuition my whole life. I'm a very strongly intuitive person, and I overrode my intuition because of my self doubts. And um, you know, it led to my marriage um, not being a good marriage. And you know, my intuition t- was screaming, "This is not a good uh-huh. idea." And yeah. I just thought, well, you know, these things will change. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. my intellect was saying, well, you're being too picky. Um, that's an important thing. It's that often people do have much more of a strong intuition than they're giving themselves credit for or than they're trusting. So, you know, meditation, I think, is a great way to um, to to tune it up. And I think um, just taking... Sort of paying. I did a lot of intuition work after my divorce, where I, I taught how to increase your intuition. And I think, mm. you know, just taking intuitive risks, like listening and then following through on things that your intuition is telling you, and seeing what happens, um, is an important thing all over your life. Like even if it's about making a right turn instead of a left turn, um, mm-hmm. anything, anything. So it's funny. It, I was at a conference um, over. Uh, I guess it was on <clears throat> Thursday. And there were the, the we were at the final uh, you know closing keynote or whatever closing remarks, and there was a woman who was going to get up and give that, and I was with two other women, and one of the women in my group said, "My intuition is telling me to leave," and she <laughs> she left, and I thought, well, that's very interesting, and mine wasn't really saying anything. I think I was just exhausted. It was a very long day. And the woman got up to speak, and she was like, "Okay, everybody, stand up now and give the person next to you a hug." And, and oh, within five <laughs> minutes, the uh, other woman and I said, "Let's go." So you know that woman's intuition was spot on, and I wasn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there are times where you can be tuned in and not tuned in. So um, you know, I think it's really and rest is a, a really big part of that too. Ariana Huffington was one of the. She was my favorite keynote speaker at this event. And she mm-hmm. said, when I'm rested, I can do anything. So I think, I you know, think part you of that, that is... in your uh, seven hours yeah. of sleep or something was one of her, her tips. Yeah. It's yeah. true. You, you don't function well when you're exhausted. And um, and that also goes with overextending yourself. Um, I, I was speaking to the... Uh, yesterday I spoke at an event, and, and the person who was the organizer was telling me she just taking on too many things, but, you know, she just wants to fit one more thing. And I was just like... Who's in charge of your life, lady? Mm-hmm. Um, the other so, question is um, for, for the sake of what? Yeah, you, you're exactly. Doing, you're taking one more thing for the sake of what? Right. Which part are you enjoying and which part yeah. are you doing for somebody else or for some other reason? Yeah. Right. Um, I think I finally figured out how to take questions, and um, there was a caller who, who might be asking a question. So I wanted to just take a break and see if anybody has any questions. Um, if you have called in and you have a question, just press one on your telephone, and I will see a hand raised. I think, and um, I'm not sure how to see the hand raised, but I can unmute. So, if anybody has a question, um, just press one. Oop, we got a question here. Yay! Okay, I'm unmuting. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. It's, it's Irma. 
Hi, Irma. Hey. Irma. <laughs> <laughs> such a remarkable event because it was a year ago, the spring equinox, that I went up to Connecticut and first heard about so Dave. Funny. So <laughs> wonderful to hear the two of you on this call. And, Jane, so great so to hear great. your voice again. Yeah. Thank you. So, Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, a couple of my thoughts were when nipping in the bud after listening to <clears throat> Ken Mossman, am I pronouncing uh-huh. it right, Sandy? Yeah. It, it it seemed that, well, I want to enter into that phase of men being nervous. So, Jane, when you were talking about nipping it in the bud early on in one of the early dates when the gentleman was talking about um, some sort of a political issue, whatever it was, I I wonder about that space versus saying, okay, that doesn't really interest me. Let's either overtly saying that or shifting the conversation and see if there's any resistance to that. So I'm, I, I, I wonder about your experience doing that. And did you say you went out with 100 men before you met Dave? No, I, I was in contact, either, you know, sent emails to, no, I would say I probably physically met in person 12 to 15, but I, I responded to 100, maybe 50 got back to me. I had phone calls and email correspondence with, you know, 30 or 40. So my my pool altogether was 100, but of people I reached out to. Mm-hmm. Okay, got that. I, I'm I think a this, the, the guy who um, you know who was talking about the political issue, I didn't even have the mojo to ask him. You know, and, and to me that was a signal. There was just nothing that was attractive enough about him to even continue the conversation. So I trusted that. Right, and that's really helpful because I sometimes bring a little bit of yesterday into a conversation with gentlemen, which is, oh, let me try to make this better. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah. if you're doing that from the get-go, where with with Dave, it's been effortless, effortless throughout. Right. And he is so forthcoming. You know, at the end of our dinner, he said, I'm taking my profile down because I found what I want. And, um, you know, I'd like to see you again. And it's like, really, you know, that was a little pressure, but I didn't, you know, I thought he can do whatever he wants. You know, that's fine. So at that point, you didn't feel, oh, um, I have so, to. Nope. No, I I like him enough. Yeah. That yeah. I'm willing to take down mine, or you just said no. He's doing his thing. I'm going to keep mine up. And, and oh, we'll I definitely kept this. mine up for you know a good month or two because I didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I had no arrangement. And I, you know, I want to say something also for those listening because I think this is really important. Um, he was so even in our conversations before dinner, so forthcoming and so generous of heart and spirit. And we met on a Sunday night, and on Friday night I had dinner with a friend, and I said, I'm scared because. He is, he's kind of uh, awash in, in, in liking me, like it, it may be too much. And the friend said to me, Jane, I had something like that seven years ago, and I let it go, and I've been looking for it ever since. So mm-hmm. I just said, I am going to breathe and allow it to come in and see what happens. And I'm so glad, because I could have rejected him early out of my own lack of self-esteem. And I thought, let me let me see how this goes. And there was there was nothing icky about it. It was all wonderful and heartfelt. He's a very I, the way I describe him is he has enormous capacity, and so he's just this very loving man. And I had to expand my ability to take in love to allow that because I think you know for some people it it would be scary. But I you know I had enough room bandwidth to really allow it in. Thank goodness. 
Yes, well, I think that I, I just want to say that I think part of part of the um, reason that you probably were also able to let it in is because of the fact that Dave is an independent person. He wasn't looking to form a codependent relationship, which is what those kinds of men can feel like. Right. Um, when it just feels like they're leeching on. I mean, I've had a bunch of those where You've I feel claustrophobic. That to me. Yeah. 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 So it, it's finding that, you know, really going be, beyond that and saying, what is this and what's the fear in me or what's going on for me? And I'm glad you stuck with it because he he's great. And I also want to say that you talk about it being seamless and you have had arguments just so people know that it's healthy oh, yeah. to have arguments in relationships. But I love how you talk about your stuff because you're able to feel safe enough to Tell them what's going on for you, and then work it through. And immediately, they, immediately, yeah. I haven't let anything fester for you know more than a few hours, if then. I mean, mostly it's like it, on one of our first dates, we were riding the train home from New York to Connecticut, and um, he was showing me. And, and I'll tell you, this is nothing against Dave. Nothing is more boring than looking at photos of people you don't know. And on iPhones. <laughs> where there are hundreds of them, you know, and this is my cousin this, and this was so-and-so's wedding, and this was like, you know, and he was going on and on very excitedly and not noticing my sheer boredom, you know, and I, I found myself just fading, and finally I just said, I'm I'm glazing over and I'm not hearing you anymore. And he he turned his position in the train, you know, because you sit next to each other, and he looked me in the eyes and he said, thank you for telling me that. Mm. And he stopped. He's like, thank yeah. you for listening to me say that. Oh, my God. That's wonderful. I love I mean, he that. wasn't offended or slighted. He was like, I'm really glad you told me. I, you know, I can only imagine how boring this must be. But, you know, when you're yeah. the one showing the pictures, all your memories are coming up. And he was missing that, you know, I, I was gracious for, you know, probably 20 minutes. But beyond that, I was like, oh, please, no more pictures, you know. And I think, you know, years ago, I would have just kept nodding and smiling and fading and fading and fading. So, um, you know, and, if you know, we, we haven't had many, but the times things have come up. Because, again, my body is just like, ding, 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 something's going on, Jane, do something right away, you know, and I, and yeah. I address it because I can't not. And I've learned, there's a saying I like, it's um, say uh, say what you mean, mean what you say, and don't say it mean. And so I, mm-hmm. I don't make it a, an about you. It's like, you know, I'm feeling such and such. He wa- he wanted to go outside at one point. Um, somebody was walking down the street in his neighborhood, and he, and he wanted to go and see they were carrying a baby. And I was like, where'd you put my boots? Because he had carried them the night before. And he goes, I don't know. And I was like, whoa. You know, don't take that tone with me, young man, you know. But <laughs> when he came back in, I said, you yelled at me. You know, I was just, there was just this little girl voice inside of me, and it's like, I'm not going to be yelled at. And he was really apologetic. He said, You're, I am so sorry. I didn't mean to. I was excited to see this child, and I'm really sorry, and it won't happen again, and it hasn't. But, I, mm. you know, again, in the past, I would have thought, oh, no, you know, here it comes. You know, this is it. You know, this is it. I have to swallow it. And I didn't, and it just made it better. So, I, you know, I've been attuned to those things. And taking full responsibility for my part because, you know, I can be hostile too. And, you know, when he calls me on it, it's like, oh, that never happened in my marriage. You know, my ex never said I'm mad at you, ever. But he just just left. (laughs) Uh, It's so refreshing because it's an honest relationship. It's where you feel safe enough to tell him how you feel and he feels the same. And, you know, there's no defensiveness, which is such a healthy thing. And... 
you know, that's one of those four horsemen of the apocalypse that John Gottman talks right. about in his right. relationship books. It's um, when you can talk things out and not have them fester and you nip them in the bud, mm-hmm. you don't build all that right. crap. <laughs> no, the cancer doesn't grow. It's true. It's true that it's so healthy. It's so wonderful to hear. And, you know, it's it's a lot of, you know, your work that you've done on yourself is reflected in this relationship, which is so wonderful. Yes, and and his too. You know, yeah. he can handle that. And he doesn't have to be right. Yeah. Irma, do you have any more questions? I did. Um, that's just, first of all, just a comment. That's so wonderful to hear. The nuances of the personal experience land so much with me. So thank you, Jane, for mm. that. The, the question that I have is when you're... Again, going back to Ken's conversation that Sandy and Ken have, has he ever, Dave or anybody that you've been with, presented that, Mommy, I need Mommy, and and if so, how did you work your way around that one? Uh, that's a great question, and the answer is I have not experienced that because I would run the other <laughs> way. This is one of the most capable people I've ever met in my life. I mean, from, you know, he hangs his laundry out on the line to dry. He does his own ironing. He f- feeds himself. I, I have to say that my uh, in my marriage I was, <laughs> this sounds terrible, but my, my ex-husband told me when he was like six years old and the, his mother's bridge group was there, he stood at the top of the stairs and said, Mommy, wipe me. And, you know, I, I use oh that as a metaphor. God. You know, and I just, you know, and through, I mean, obviously it wasn't that bad, but, um, you know, I felt like many times I was just mothering him. And um, with Dave, I have never felt that way. I have never felt that he was not an equal adult ever, which is really a godsend. But that's a, you know, that would be a real relationship killer for me. Because uh, God knows I raised three children, and I'm done. That is, you know, that's over. But, you know, according to Ken, some men do have that. It's not a mommy like, this is my whole side, but I have a moment of insecurity or self-doubt or uh, something along the lines oh, of that. Oh, that, He's yeah, not... that, I, that I have been witness to. And he, you know, and he framed it, you know, I'm ashamed of this. I, you know, I feel bad. I feel like a loser. Took full responsibility for his feelings around what he was going to tell me. And it just made me love him so much more deeply that he could, you know, take full responsibility for what was happening and his feelings around it. And it wasn't something I had to fix and what I just listened. And, you know, I think one of the best conversation keeping goers is, is, hmm, hmm, hmm. You know, I didn't have to say anything. I just needed to listen to him. And I didn't have to judge it. I didn't have to fix it. He just needed to, you know, get it all out, and I was very happy to be a party to that. Mm, and I love you. that he's so vulnerable with you. So vulnerable in such yeah. a sweet way. And that's how you really connect deeply. I mean, when somebody's willing to show, because um, I've dated men who were so tough and so macho and so shielded that I could never develop intimacy with them because they just were too afraid to be real you know, to show weakness, supposed weakness, and it's not. It's no. part of life. You know, if you can't show up as, as your whole, all the colors that are in your, you know, crayon box, then you're only showing part of who you are, and that doesn't allow people to get closer. And so I love that. 
that he is that with you. Very much and Irma, so. You, Irma, um, you and I have had discussions. Um, Irma and I know each other through a, um, a webinar program that we both were subscribed to. And um, and I heard, and we also were part of a man whispering program um, to learn how to how to talk to men without nagging. Which um, the woman who who ran that was part of my one of my guests, Liana Silver. And um, I remember you asking about the mommy energy because um, I I totally resonated with it. I also get a lot of men who who. It feels like that because we're both strong women, and I think that um, for me, one of the secrets was learning vulnerability to to be to stop trying to be so damn tough, you know, and capable, um, and to be able to show that I actually need people to be in my life to contribute to my life. So I don't know if that's something that you've that you're still experiencing, Irma. I. I haven't been in the dating scene for a bit. I've been, okay. as I've been listening to more and more of your blogs, and I really have, I'm sitting there saying, okay, what's next? And just working <laughs> my way through them, which is incredible, I'm thinking, mm. oh, dear, look what I'm doing. I'm growing my business, and um, and here's spring, and I'm and I'm always ready at spring, as, as everyone is, as every living object is, to connect in a different way. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. So connecting with that, or thinking about that mommy energy, because I am like you both, rather dynamic uh, women. Um, I, I just want to make sure I could see it. That is the vulnerability versus oh, here's that strong woman that I've been hoping to find, that I can then completely um, sort of undress myself and and mm-hmm. and not having to do my own personal work. So just being in that space, I, I think I've held too many men's hearts up in the air and minds and bodies and, and don't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Nip it. Nip it, Irma. <laughs> nip it. Right. Yeah, yeah, nip it in the bud and, and yeah. recognize the difference between um, a strong man who's just showing his vulnerability and a man who's just weak and wants to glop off of your energy. Because um, I think that's pretty... I think that's pretty easily identifiable. Um, right. Um, thank anyway, you. thank you, Irma. Um, Great to hear I'm your voice, Irma. Thank yeah. You, thank you. Sandy, I'm going to mute you again. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. So, Jane, um, let's talk about the similarities between dating and running a business because you and I have <laughs> talked about that a lot, and. Um, so what has dating taught you about your business or business taught you about dating? And if you can speak to that a little. Well, I think, you know, what what strikes me even more than, than my own ex- experiences of dating is, you know, whenever you and I have a conversation and I'll say something about business and you'll say, yeah, it's the same in dating. And I'm always mm-hmm. struck by how exactly true that is. And, mm. um, you know, uh, I, I mentioned the thing with Brad and, you know, knowing when an opportunity is the right opportunity, and it's not a rejection of him. It's it's really the idea or the timing. Um, you have a saying that the most important four-letter word in dating is next, and I would say that's the same in business as well. That mm-hmm. if this didn't work out, you you know, it's like you you uh, only want to try so much. You know, if your heart is in it, the same thing. You know, is, is there a gut feeling about it? And there are so many opportunities. So just move on to the next one. Um, one of the things I wanted to say was that 
um, personally, my life is so satisfying. And yet when I was, uh, you know, when I didn't have somebody in my life and I was focusing on my business, it's like, oh, if only, if only I had this part of it. What's happening now is that my business life is actually very quiet. And what I realize is that, you know, I'm trusting that the next opportunity is going to come along and reveal itself at the right time as with Dave. You know, when I was, you know, when I was, uh, you know, and my marriage had ended and I grieved for a full year without going out with anybody. And then it was like, I want a partner. I want a partner. All I want is, you know, somebody in my life. And so my focus went to that. And, you know, now it needs to, now that that's really a very satisfying part of my life, I need to feel that around my business again. But I also trust that, you know, as with a relationship, when it's right, it's right, and that it will be there. And not in any way that there isn't business or a man for me, that I was, I have always been confident that I will be successful. It's just, you know, I feel like the universe gave me lots of time to develop this wonderful relationship to work on family issues, which I've been doing. And now it's time for the business to really take off again because I can I can give more time to it. So mm-hmm. there's, you know, to me they're constantly mirroring each other. You know, how I, how, it's a Zen thing. How, how you do anything is how you do everything. And mm-hmm. so, you know, how I approached the relationship was that I was sure I would have one. I did whatever it took to get one. I'm thriving in it. And I will do the same thing with business. You know, I'm I'm waiting for a little more motivation, but that's okay, too. Well, those are all really good points. I think that trust piece, um, it, there, it just speaks to trusting that there's abundance. And, you know, I made my decision to marry my husband based on scarcity. I really thought yeah. I was running out of chances, running out of, you know, ovaries, running out of uh-huh. time. And um, it's terrible to make decisions based on fear and lack and so you know just sitting with it i mean you just sound so at peace even though you know the business isn't where you would maybe want it to be at this point um it's shifting and i've seen your business really shift you're you're really getting clear about what your next steps are and you know having downtime also presents other opportunities um you know there's a real sense of peace that i get when i talk to you about your business now Mhm. And also about my relationship. I, you know, I'm not anxious. Right. But, you know, it's just and, and there and there's that equanimity in in all things in my life. You know, and and that doesn't mean that I don't have scary days or upsets and all that. But I I really face them square on and deal with them immediately. I don't let things. I remember, I was up at Kropala, which is a, a yoga center in Lenox, Mass, that I have gone to for over 20 years now. And there was a, a somebody speaking there, and he he demonstrated. He get, he lift. You know, he's like uh, as though he were lifting up the corner of a rug, and he goes, "Hello, little rug, sweep, sweep," and he kind of pushed things under. I don't do that at all. I never mm-hmm. put things away because they fester. And you know, like we talked about the cancer uh, symbol or analogy, I I want everything to see the light of day, and then it's, you know, over and out, done. And, it, you know, that's the whole nipping it in the bud. It's much easier than when it's a, you know, the flowers have already been arranged into a beautiful bouquet. It's a little late to say, sorry, this isn't working. It's like, but we have mm-hmm. the bouquet. It's like, you know what? Should have nipped it, should have nipped it. It, it gets well, harder and harder yeah. to say it. It does, and you, because you built layers and history, and and there's lots of arms to it, and 
that's what happens in families. It's like, you know, the relationship hasn't worked for 20 years, and, and you know, then how do you extricate yourself from something that's so stale and hasn't been working right. because you were too afraid to take to take the move to, to end things? Um, exactly. And, yeah, I mean, I I often, I would say that I pretty much know about relationships right away, and I've, in the past, when I first started dating, I would stay a couple months um and I knew. I mean, I remember being on a plane um, when I had my first boyfriend after a divorce, and I was talking to a total stranger, and I was telling her about a guy I was interested online versus the one I was currently dating. And she's going, boy, you sound a lot more interested in the guy <laughs> that you have started dating. And I was like, okay, I can hear the passion that in my own voice. Yeah. total stranger can hear it. Mm-hmm. That's a really mm-hmm. good sign that I have to break up. And I did almost immediately after I got back. Well, I think so, what you're saying um, is we can't, you know, I can't lie to myself anymore. And, and I think yeah. there was a time where I was lying constantly to, you know, try to convince myself. I had a, a breakthrough experience um, uh, three years ago. I went to a, uh, you know, it was a, a retreat. And there was a, a an element of it where you really identified your inner child. And, I, you know, somebody was play acting all these, it's called a psychodrama, and I saw her, my little child, on the other side of the room, and I said, I'm going to I'm gonna take care of you. And intuitively, the woman who was playing me said, yeah, right, because I wow. have always neglected that part of me. And I'll tell you that since that day, since that day, I have not neglected that part of me once. Because mm. I will, you know, it was so vivid to me that that is what I had done. I had betrayed myself for years and my entire life, my entire yeah. life, and I cannot do that anymore. I am no longer wired in that way, and I won't. So I um, hear you, sister. Yeah, <laughs> I am. So yeah, exactly. And it's a good place to be. It it's, is. It's actually more humane. It's totally more humane, and it's 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 like clean. You're living in alignment with your values and yes. with who you are, and you're not giving up stuff for other people. I mean, that is probably one of the biggest things I stand for in my coaching. It's so important to honor yourself, honor your process, honor your character. You know, don't don't give up pieces. And um, I just couldn't see it for a long time. I just felt like, oh, if you just morph a little more into something that somebody else wants, but just to keep the peace and the status quo, life is so much more than the status quo, man. I, mm-hmm. you know, my really, life is very rich, very rich. Yeah, totally. Very dimensional, and and uh, you know, I'm I'm thriving. I I love my life. I wouldn't trade with anybody. Mm, that's such a wonderful thing to say, and you do have a great life. I'm. Lucky enough to be part of it, and um, you've been and very it's, it's pivotal in my life. It's way different than it was, you know, a few years ago. Very pared down. You know, I'm living in a one-bedroom apartment, and you know, I'm living in 575 square feet, and I've never mm-hmm. felt more abundant. Mm. Well, that's an important piece that people think you have to have certain things to feel certain things. And yeah. like you talk about, Dave, nope. it's very similar. Mm-hmm. That it, you know, stop looking at the outer stuff. Look at the inner stuff. That's what's really important. Um, exactly. You know. yeah. So um, we have just a few more minutes until um, we end, unfortunately. Um, this has just been fabulous. And mm. I thank you so much for, for coming on the show and sharing, um, you know, a, a piece of yourself that not everybody gets to hear. 
And and uh, I also feel like I'm the poster child for hope. I mean, I'm going to be 65 in July, and it's like I am in the best relationship I've ever been in. It's really, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like there is there is hope for you out there. And I'm, you know, I, I, I won't say I'm not special. I You know, we're all special, but it wasn't. I worked it. You know, I made the decision I wanted to do it. I hired you. We, You know, you helped me. And, you know, it it came to fruition. And I would have kept going if I hadn't met Dave. I would have kept going because it's a very important piece to me. And I could not be happier personally than I am right now in terms of my relationship. It's so fulfilling to me. That's really wonderful. And I think that piece about how you're not passive, you are a person who goes after what you want. And I think that's that's what separates people who are successful in business Entrepreneurs, you talk about that, I'm sure, a lot in your work. Um, the difference between somebody who succeeds and someone who doesn't is the person who really is is persevering. <laughs> you know, there's always know? the you know the person in the audience who said, "Well, I sent out a postcard mailing. Yeah, I posted on Twitter. It's like and and yeah. and you yeah. know, it's like it's it's all of these things. It's not one thing. It's you know, I went on the dates, I did the profile, I went online, I sent the emails, I followed up, I got rejected. It's all of that. It's mm-hmm. all, it's not one thing. It's not, there's no silver bullet in anything. None. No. No, that's a good point. And here you are with success to show and fulfillment. And I love bringing stories of hope to my audience because people need to see these are real people who actually worked you it bet. and found you love, bet. and you can have it too. You know, we're all yeah. human. We all have, we're kind of pretty much all made of similar stuff. You know, it's about really doing the work. Don't be a victim of your past. Don't be a victim of your age. Um, you know, if you're doing something and it's not working, figure out what it is on your own or get help to figure it out and change it because we're well all you think of you, you have the same philosophy it's you know i i believe in the jim Rohn, work harder on yourself than you do on your career relationship or whatever and i mm-hmm. did that and i created a vision you know a vision for who i was looking for i thought about all of my friends who were in successful relationships and what all the characteristics were and i had 38 or 39 different things that dave fulfills every single one of them but i also realized that so do i i have every one of the mm-hmm. things i was looking for and somebody else to mirror back to me so you know, I think it's really getting clear again on what you want and then believing that you can have it. That's a big piece yeah. of it. I love that. Well, thank you, Jane. Tell people My how pleasure. they can find you, please. My website is com, and it's P-O-L-L-A-K, com, And I'm on Twitter and Facebook, and it's all Jane Pollock, Jane Pollock. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you so, so, so much. And um, It was great, Sandy. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm just going to let you guys know I'm going to be taking off for a few weeks vacation, and I'll be back on the air on Monday, April 8th at 7 p.m. It's a Monday night show, which is different than my usual Tuesday um, afternoon show. So it's 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I'll be interviewing the matchmaker and dating coach, Jasbina Alawalia of Intersections Match. Um, She is Uh, She works mainly with Asian people, and she's going to be speaking about dating as an empowered woman. I hope you'll tune into that show. And I love when people visit my website, lastfirstdate.com. Let's stay connected on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you for listening in, and remember to have courageous, bold, and meaningful conversations throughout your day. 
Bye-bye.